My name is Preston Grace, and I'd like to welcome you to the No Walls Podcast. Hello and welcome to the No Walls Podcast. I'm here with our student pastor here at The Brick, Taylor Otterbein. What's up, dude? How are you doing? I am well. Today's a good day. It's a good day. It is a good day, bro. Uh, it's a hot day. It's a hot day, but uh, it's a good day. My uh, my sports teams are, are doing very well <laughs> at the given moment, so I'm not sad about it. <laughs> That's good, man. Uh, yeah, Texas had a had a thing happen today, didn't they? It was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. 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 It was a good time. We're not, I'm not sad to be a Longhorn right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I bet a lot of people are sad to be not Longhorns Maybe. right now. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, man, I got a uh, I got a topic today that I feel like I've been kind of thinking about for a few weeks, and I wanted to get your perspective on it because okay. I felt like you will have some some cool experience with this. So, us being uh, involved in the church, we see life change happen a lot, right? Like we see people do like one eighties a lot with their lives, and <clears throat> and it's not always like instantaneous. A lot of times, it's not. Uh, but you see a lot of people come in with like like their past and their present do not match at all yeah you know what i mean and so um when at what point does someone's present outweigh their past <coughs> it's a heavy question to start off with but that's, that's what how i want to start off <coughs> at what point does someone's present outweigh their past because <coughs> it's, it's a hard one to answer because it's a little subjective because you have two different voices taking place, right? So <clears throat> you have your own voice in the way that you see yourself. And so, you know, no one's more acutely aware of your past than you are because yeah. you're the only one that lived it. Yeah. Because then there's still the perception of the people around you and the way that they see your past and the way that those things play out. So, like, for example, <clears throat> if you've met me post-22 and on, Right, so I'm 28 now. If you'd have met me from age 20 to 22 forward, you have a very different perception of who I am than you would have had you met me from birth to 22. Mm-hmm. So right, so one to 22, and then 22 to 28, you would have two very distinctive like views of who I am as an individual. <clears throat> and it's interesting because I'll be in certain climates. And depending on who's in the room, you can see the dissonance that takes place. For example, if I get at church, can I get on stage and I talk about, you know, anything about my story? Can I get vulnerable? Can I have a conversation about how dysfunctional I used to be or how much chaos I created for myself and others? There's a good percentage of people right now that have a really hard time believing that's true. Mm-hmm. I've had people tell me there's no way. So there is a way, and it did happen, I'm not lying to you, but I have a really hard time seeing that because they've not met that guy. That guy's not here anymore, thank God. Like, I've worked really hard to be healthier than who I was. If I go to Thanksgiving with my family, that's the guy they see. Mm -hmm. Right? And so if I meet, you know, one of the reasons I don't really actually have Thanksgiving very often with my immediate, like, biological family is because of that. Because when I go back, it's like I'm 16 all over again. Yeah. That's how they see me. And there's a ton of triggers that exist in those moments and those spaces that are really difficult to process through sometimes. And so, like, when will my present 
ever outweigh my past, can it? Yeah. Could they ever see me as a person I am today, or were they always attached who I used to be to that? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that because I can't control it for them. Because <laughs> so what you see in everyday life, because <clears throat> the dissonance that just exists in those group of people, because then there's the internal dialogue that takes place. Because <laughs> so even now, I have moments of like, if I'm not careful, I'll make decisions from a place of like, um, almost like I'm trying to make up for lost time. Mm. Like at, at, at some points, like I'll, I'll make decisions that are purely based on like fear of not being who I used to be. And like, feel like when I walk into the church, I'm having to make up gap, you know, and having yeah. to feel like, <clears throat> um, like I can't be honest. Like there's, there are moments where it's like at our church is beautiful. I love it. Cause we scream for authenticity. We model it. We fight for it. But even though that's true, there are still moments where I have to process, like, can I be that honest? Can I be that real? Can I be that authentic? Because you feel like you, you don't want to be that guy and you don't want people to see you as that person. Cause it's not who you are anymore. You're trying to fight towards new health. And so you have the, the internal dialogue that takes place of like, can't, do I ever believe that I'm okay now that I've gotten better? Yeah. You know, there are moments like if I'm in the shower by myself and it's been a hard week, like I can feel all of those same tendencies and rhythms start to surface back up. If still now, if I don't do the rhythms that I know I need to do to keep me healthy, I can pop off and, you know, shift right back to who I was real fast. And so there are still these weird reminders, like they're almost like scars that you, you know, you can't get rid of. They're always there. You know, if I cut your arm off and sewed it back together, you would always have a scar showing you that, you know, once upon a time that thing wasn't attached to you. Yeah. Um, and I feel that now. Like, I feel like there are scars from the past um, that if I'm not careful, uh, I can reopen because yeah. I haven't accepted I am who I'm today, right? Continue to move towards the future and embrace the healthy steps that I'm called to take now and not trying to live in light of the past. So when does your present ever outweigh your past? I don't know. I think my answer would probably be, I, you, you're never going to be able to control other people. Right. So yeah. if you're sitting here trying to figure out, when will they ever see me as who I am? You, there's I, there's no answer. Yeah. Some people just won't. There will be a whole group of people this side of heaven that will never see you as the person you are now. Yeah. They'll never acknowledge the steps you've taken to get healthy. They're never going to celebrate you for it. And it is what it is. You can't control the people. So I don't think you actually do anything to affect that. I mean, you keep living life the way you know to live it, and hopefully one day they'll be able to see it, but they may never. Yeah. <clears throat> what you can do is control the narrative you have for yourself. <clears throat> And so I think when does your present outweigh your past for the way that you see yourself individually? Um, I think when you start processing the pain of the past. Mm. And that's difficult. It's hard, man. It's really hard to do self-assessment. It's really hard to start really breaking down decisions of the past and kind of process through that. Like I've been in therapy for the last month and, uh, my therapist hit me with how come you're so angry about you know a certain moment and I was like I don't know I just I'm mad and she hit me and she's like you don't know how to grieve mm. you don't ever grieve like you you don't ever process you know something should have been something and it wasn't and it's okay to grieve that it's okay to be sad about it. it's okay to process that and it's like I can feel now like there's still been portions of my life that I haven't been able to overcome because I haven't fully processed them. Yeah. And so I think eventually what winds up happening is you've processed enough pain that you can stay present. You stop living every day processing who you used to be 
and fo- and you start focusing on who you're called to be now. Mm. And I think that takes time, but I do think there comes a moment where you've processed enough of who you were before, what you've went through, what you've come from, you've processed enough of it that you're not ruminating on it, you're not dwelling on those thoughts, you're not staying in those stories, and you've shifted your energy and attention towards building the better, beautiful future in front of you. Yeah. And I think that takes time, so when that happens for you, I don't know, but I know, in my opinion, the indication that it's happened is you focus more on today and tomorrow and less on yesterday. Yeah, that's good. And when that shift happens, I think that's when it's taken place. That's when you've started to finally let your present and your future outweigh the past. Yeah. My, uh, that's, a, that's a really good answer. I appreciate that. My, my next question to you is, like, have you had a, a person that was there for you, like, was there before the, the transformation or whatever you want to call it, and, like, sees you as you are now? Does that make sense? Yeah. <coughs> I've got a few people that were there before. Um, our lead pastor was there. So our lead pastor was actually my first ever student pastor. So he got to see all the raw. Mm-hmm. I mean, he met me when I was 13. So I was peak right in the middle of the mess. So we even got leaders, um, you know, at our church that were there, like uh, Brandy Steele, mm-hmm. you know, leads worship on stage for us. And she serves in our student ministry. Uh, she was actually a student in the youth ministry at the same time. So, I mean, like, she's got some stories, too. <laughs> uh, and then we've got another leader uh, who serves on our student team, and her name's Johanna. Mm-hmm. And Johanna was actually one of the leaders. Because she was mm-hmm. a student, she was one of the student leaders when I was a student. Um, and so she got to see some of the chaos, too. Um, there's there's the three of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure if I thought – I mean, our next step's pastor was one of my student pastors as well. So yeah. PR, Ryan Gray, he got to see a ton of chaos, man. He was front row seat to a whole lot of it. Um, and so, yeah, he's got to see the person I was and the person I am and the person that I'm hopefully go- going to become. Yeah. Have you uh, – so being that person who is, like, you've been on the side of, like, having, like, having change and – still maintaining relationships with people who have like seen you change. What if I'm the person who is having a hard time starting the relationship or building back the relationship with the person that says they change because I don't, I don't believe it or I haven't seen enough data to prove it. Does that make sense? Or like, like what if I'm, what if I'm having a hard time uh, connecting with a person because of their past, even though they say that they're not that person anymore? Yeah. So I think it comes down to, I think a huge piece of this is your relationship, whether or not you have or you don't have it. Like, what's the context that this is taking place? Yeah. So let's let's say, for example, uh, let's say as a student pastor, right, we have a, we have a student who is here, they keep coming, but, um, you know, they're difficult, right? Yeah. And we're trying to, I'm trying to help myself and our team see the hope of who they can become, not who they presently are. Yeah. And how do you, navigate that because some people's right now is is real messy can some people's before was real messy so when you they try to tell you they've they've turned over a new leaf or they've they've shifted it's like yeah but you you hurt me a lot before that moment so how do i believe that because then it gets real murky when it's family and it's like interpersonal dynamics and it's not just like that it's like no we do life together and now you're trying to tell me you're different how do i believe that and i think for me the one side of it is I think we should always fight to have hope that people can get better. Yeah. Like that matters a lot because if someone is exempt from hope, that means you can be too. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to live in a world 
where I can lose hope, where, where there can be no hope that I can be better. Um, <clears throat> so as far as like what you're looking for, for me, I'm looking for steps. I'm looking for movement. I'm looking for progress, however big or however small. <clears throat> I think sometimes the reason it's difficult is because we want people to shift really, really fast. Yeah. It's like, no, I need you to get way better. Well, I mean, not everybody can do that. Like yeah. people's growth tracks are way different. Each person is entirely unique. And then whatever it is that they're processing through is different. Yeah. <clears throat> some cuts are to the bone, some cuts are paper cuts. And so what are you processing? What are you going to come, what are you trying to come out of has a huge indication on how far and how fast you can run. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so for me, come looking for steps. I'm trying to figure out like, are you okay staying or are you fighting towards health, right? Don't want to stay in chaos. You want to fight towards health. And that's going to look different person to person. Some people are going to fight really, really hard and then get tired and stop. Some yeah. people are going to fight really slow. And sometimes you're processing or even actually taking steps. But the question I would have is whether or not they're moving. Are you mm-hmm. moving towards health? Doesn't mean you're going to get it right every time. You're going to mess up a lot. I've messed up so much. I still mess up. So I'm still not there. Like I'm not who I want to be. Um, and thank God for grace. Thank God for people who are patient to see the hope of who I can be and are looking at the steps I'm taking towards becoming that person uh, while they have to sometimes help me through the messy moments. Because <clears throat> I think the question I would be asking is, are you trying to move towards health? Mm. And if I believe that you have a desire to become more healthy, if I believe that you have a desire to step into who it is you think you can become, who you want to become, that healthy, beautiful version of yourself, that's sufficient for me. And that's going to look different person to person. But once I believe you individually actually have a genuine desire, I don't want to be this person anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be stuck in this anymore. And you compare that with, and I'm willing to do what's necessary to get out of it. Mm. There's a lot of people who don't want to be hurting anymore but don't have the desire to take a step to get out and you can't do anything yet because you have to want to be willing to do the work of getting out. You have to be willing to do the hard work of processing the past, the pain to move towards the health. But when you have both of those, you don't want to be here anymore. You're good. I'm done with this life. I want to live a better one. And you're willing to take steps. That's sufficient for me. I'll I'll camp out all day long and I'll fight for somebody all day long. Who's willing to take steps. um, However big or small. Yeah. Uh, what do you think was the, like, the main thing that helped you to take steps? Like, kept you taking steps? It, it doesn't have to be the main thing. What's, like, the, com- it could be a combination of things. But what what kind of things, like, helped you? And, like, still, like, what kind of things help you today be, like, it, it actually matters that I'm a better person today than I was yesterday? Yeah, so early on, kids' relationships. Early on, I had people who were telling me who I could be, helping mm-hmm. me see that. They're reminding me, like, this isn't who you are. This is what you've done. You know, that doesn't mean, like, your pain and your past doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. You can move past this. And I think early on, <clears throat> if you're trying to, if you're the person trying to process through your pain, you've got to have some people that are just echoing that for you because yeah. you're not going to believe it. Like, in my particular context, I mean, I had three generations of chaos, mm-hmm. three generations of people stuck in addiction, stuck in pain, stuck in all kinds of, um, interpersonal grossness that exists, just the whole family dynamic is not good. Three generations of people making bad decision after bad decisions, victims in every scenario, making excuses for everything that they've ever done to anybody else. So for me, 
when someone started telling me that I could live different than that, that I could be different than that, that I actually could be a kind person. I didn't have to be the caricature that I felt like my teachers made me out to be or Mm -hmm. the people my family saw me as. I didn't believe it. I just didn't because I'd never seen it. Like I'd never seen someone come from my environment and be healthy. So when people tell you you can, it's like some people can maybe, but you always believe you're the exception because no, if you live my life, you live my story, you know that's not an actual option for me. Yeah. And eventually those voices were just loud enough and they stayed around long enough. And by the grace of God, they loved me when it was hard and I stayed in when it wasn't comfortable. And being around those people and those voices slowly started echoing what I think God was trying to say the whole time, and that mm-hmm. was that he loved me a lot. And that uh, while he didn't want any of the pain to ever happen, he's going to make sure that it gets used to be good and, and to help people, to help me. Um, and those voices echoed. And eventually they rung out loud enough because I surrounded myself with them long enough that the internal dialogue I had of just me to myself was outweighed by the many. Mm. The many became people who loved me, cared for me, fought for me. Um, and it won out and that was the first major step towards and then what keeps me fighting because now on this side of it I felt the freedom I felt the joy the hope the what it's like to go home and and be happy and not be sad and not be mad at everybody and everyone and not feel like I have to prove myself at all times to everybody I still fight with not feeling the need to prove myself to people but I felt it now and I want to stay in that and now I got kids and so for me before it was just me yeah if I created chaos I'm the only one that has to deal with it once I got married it wasn't just me no more mm-hmm. it was Nicole too and once I had kids it wasn't just me and Nicole anymore it was me it was Nicole it was Axius it was Emery and it was Ember and now I got too many lives in the process that if I if I go back to who I was or so negatively affected that's before we have a conversation about any of the teams I get the great honor and privilege of leading. Yeah. If I fall, that has a negative effect on you. If I fall, there's a negative effect on our team. Yeah. If I go back to how I used to be, there are ripple effects to that. And so the the responsibility to continue to take those steps so that I can continue to be someone God uses to love people well is really important to me. Uh, my health isn't – like the reason I stay healthy isn't just so that I can be what people need me to be, but it's I have found that – loving people well, leading people, pouring into people, serving and being a part of something healthy is also good for me. Mm. So to go backwards and start sabotaging this environment that God's given me now, that doesn't just help me be better, but has created an avenue for me to also allow the mistakes I made to be fuel to get other people hope. I don't want to lose that. And so I've experienced enough good fruit on the tree, if you will, that I don't, I don't want to go back to weeds. Yeah. I'm good. I like that apple a lot, and I want to keep eating it. Yeah. And so for me, I'm going to try my hardest to keep fighting, to take the steps, whatever those steps come. And so those two things play. You've got people in your life who are voices of hope, and they still are. Even in moments of weakness or failure or mistakes that I make now, I've outweighed my own voice. Mm-hmm. My voice is loud. My voice is strong. I feel my voice. I go to sleep with my voice. I'm in the shower with my voice. I mm-hmm. know how I feel about me. And I know how twisted the perception of who I am can get inside my own head. But thank God I have a ton of people now who will never let that narrative win out. Yeah. They will fight for me when I'm not fighting for myself. Mm-hmm. And so the strength of those healthy relationships and those healthy voices combined with the desire to be in this environment 
that is good for me, but also good for the people around me, uh, I don't want to go backwards. I love it. So I felt the good of being healthy and I don't want to ever go back. I, uh, yeah, that's, that was a really cool answer. I think there is, cause there are a lot of people that are cool with being like the angry person. There are a lot of people that are cool with being like the person that causes chaos. Cause it's like, you have like an identity in that. And I think that's kind of a cool, like the cool opportunity we get whenever we get to serve is like you get to feel that firsthand that it, it actually like is good for me to be serving other people. Cause you don't really, I don't know if there's another way to fill that without actually just doing it. But yeah. <clears throat> do you think serving, was that a step in you moving in that direction? Like, do you think you could have moved in that direction without serving others? I think some people can. Because <clears throat> I think there are people who are so naturally inclined to want to see the people around them win. Yeah. They'll set themselves on fire to keep people warm. <clears throat> that's where personalities come into play. Yeah. So if you're asking me individually, no, I don't no. think I would have ever gotten to serve. <clears throat> Right, because for me, I don't even like people. Yeah. So I had to like think people are okay before I would ever want to serve them. Yeah. Right. Like I had zero desire to see good for my brother. Yeah. Because in my opinion, the reason my life was hard was because of my brother. Yeah. Right. It was because of the 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 men and women in my life around me. So like the whole idea of trying to serve other people is like, no, somebody serve me first. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I would ever hop that hurdle because I was so angry and so mad at the world and so against people. Um, <clears throat> could I have met people. Who would go the other way? For example, my wife is one of those people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Nicole would serve till she died. Yeah. It's so in who she is. She is so unbelievably kind and empathetic and has just the deepest desire to see people happy. Um, and so she would, I mean, I mean, she would, she would not eat if it meant seeing somebody else eat. Like she is one of the most beautiful examples I've ever seen of what it means to love people fiercely and yeah. what it means to serve them well. <clears throat> but that will trump her own personal care all day. And yeah. I've seen that. We've seen that inside of our marriage. Like <clears throat> me being an eight on an Enneagram and her being a two, when we're unhealthy is really, really unhealthy. Because <laughs> I'll try to drive the ship and steer and move and move and move and do more and do more and take more ground, take more ground. And she wants to see me win. Mm-hmm. So if she's suffering in the background, she's not going to speak up. Yeah. And so she just keeps taking on more and more. She's not honest about how hard it is on her. And then we blink and our marriage is miserable. Mm-hmm. Now we're not there anymore because, you know, Nicole has a louder voice and I've learned to ask her, uh, how is she doing? And so we have a lot of different dynamics inside of our marriage now to help balance that out. <clears throat> but I have watched that other personality do that, serve yeah. before they get healthy. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't have time to process my pain yeah. because right now I need you to be okay. I need everyone else around me to be peace and to be happy and to be winning. I can't deal with the fact that I'm not winning. I need everything around me to be okay. Yeah. And so if I'm suffering internally, that's fine as long as nobody else is fighting. Um, so I do think it can go the other way. Yeah. Do you think in those scenarios, like, is there ever a time – like where you stop serving or do you serve like serve less or like how did how did how would you like seeing your wife does she just have to balance that or like how does that work for her yeah i do think that there are times where you just got chill yeah. right we we did a whole podcast on you know going and playing <clears throat> and we talked about rest a little bit in it but like rest is necessary i heard a pastor say <clears throat> a few years ago that we should uh, always fight to stride, not strive. Because, <laughs> mm. like, because <clears throat> an interesting concept. And what he was saying was, 
is life shouldn't be a constant like tension. Yeah. Right. Like when you're in your sweet spot and when things are healthy, there should be an organic flow to it. Like it, it should feel natural. It doesn't mean you're not going to get tired. Kind of doesn't mean that you don't sacrifice at times, but there's a joy in it. There's mm-hmm. a hope in it. There's a love in it. There's a peace in it. There's a, a sense of this is okay. <clears throat> We're going to be all right. Right. And when that thing's unbalanced and you're striding or you're striving, not striding, <clears throat> then it's work. Yeah. It's obligation. It's necessary. It's I have to do this. It's if I don't do this, what's going to happen? It's fear based. It's not hope based. And you have these dynamics play out. And so there are personalities that are slightly different. Some personalities will be okay to serve for significantly longer than others. Uh, and so I think you come down to the dynamic of trying to process, is there times where you need to stop serving? The answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. There are some people right now listening that need to just take six weeks off and go breathe. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or, or even, you know, six days off. Maybe six weeks is outrageous. But, like, <laughs> there, there are people listening to podcasts where it's like, you, you need to go chill. Yeah. You know, you, you need to take a break. I mean, for example, <clears throat> our student ministry switch isn't meeting right now. Right. It's not because we don't love our kids. Because yeah. not because we don't think Switch is amazing, because we do. Yeah. Um, it's because I've realized youth ministry is different. It's different because it's the only place in our church that you serve on a week-in, week-out basis, and it costs you two days, not one. Mm-hmm. You come to serve on Sunday on our host team, it's all on Sunday. Yeah. Come serve in the tech team, it's all on Sunday. Come serve in Life Kids, it's all on Sunday. Come serve in Switch, it's Wednesday too. Yeah. And so I already realize you're losing one more day a week than other people. And that's not to say that people can't do that. They can, but it's also a data point, right? Yeah. And then you're talking about, you're dealing with like teenagers. It's very mm-hmm. different. You've got kids who are having some really difficult things in their life. And you're sitting here every single week trying to love kids that are hard to love at times. You're sitting here every week and you're hearing stories that break your heart. You're watching mm-hmm. these kids process real life problems and pains and hurts, and that is a lot to do every single week. Yeah. And so what we've realized is if there isn't a break, people will get compassion fatigue so fast. And they'll get so inundated with the the grind of student ministry that they lose the joy of it. Yeah. And so what we do as we take a summer break where we don't meet every Wednesday in person, we meet in our small groups and our tribes and we empower the kids and the, the leaders to go meet with the students out in the streets, you know, in their dynamics, they get yeah. to have fun. It's different than normal. It's like at your own pace. And that's beautiful. That thing's fantastic. It's awesome. Cause we get to see the benefit it has when we come back in the fall, the students are excited to be back. They've built a ton of relationships with their leaders, but it's also so the leaders can rest mm-hmm. so they can breathe so that we don't, lose out on the gift and the call on the individual because we milked them, we burned them dry, we we burnt the candle at both ends. And so I want to try to design ministry in a way that the people we have serving know that we're calling them to stride, not strive. Yeah. This isn't supposed to be miserable. This isn't supposed to be only sacrifice. There should be hope and joy and love and peace and all kinds of beautiful processes along the way that you love the thing that you do. And so I would say if you're serving right now and you hate showing up, I would take a break. Mm-hmm. If everything about it grinds your gears, if the second you woke up this morning you thought, I've got to be there again, I think it's time to take a break. Yeah, It's time to rest. 
you know, time to time to chill and process why, you know, may, are you tired or are you just not called to be there? And there's a lot of questions you guys on that process, but uh, I absolutely believe it. I do think there are times where you just got to take a break. And my wife did that. When we got to the brick, she didn't serve anywhere. Yeah. She was just chilling, loved every second of it too. She got to come to church and, you know, worship and be a part of this cool community without needing to do anything for anybody else. And it was phenomenal. Yeah. And now she serves and she loves it. She doesn't want to stop doing it. It's life giving for her. She's striding, not striving. Yeah, that's good. I think, uh, I think it's a good place to end this thing. So I really, uh, I appreciate you talking to me today, bro. And, uh, Thank you guys, everyone, for listening. Also, if you are listening on Spotify, I can only do it on Spotify. I can't do it on Apple Podcasts, so I apologize for that. But uh, there is a question underneath this episode. So you can swipe up, and you can actually answer that question. And uh, we might talk about them, talk about it on the next episode, or like if we start getting enough of them, that might be something we do at the beginning of every episode. I love so, that. That's yeah, exciting. it's actually really cool. I'm, I think we're going to throw a poll in there, too. So sometimes there'll be questions, there'll be polls. It just Let's depends go. on what's on there. So, yeah. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for talking to me today, bro. I appreciate you. Love you, man. Love you.